You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. Welcome to another episode of Cultivate. This is a show about you and your journey in the cannabis industry. It's moving fast, but there's room for everyone. Buckle up as we bring you the people and the technology that are blazing the trail. So that was the night that I went from complete and total skeptic because I came from a conservative Christian household and I'm still a conservative Christian NRA member, gun carrier, church uh, volunteer, and now huge cannabis advocate. And what I'm learning is that all of those things can exist together. Charlie Rutherford. Hi. You guys look familiar. Hi. I'm Drew. Drew Scott. and Scott. 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 Yep. Okay. Drew and this Scott. is Cultivate, and you're the first inside interview. You're like the most important story behind the whole Bovida legacy in the cannabis business. So we want to hear what it was like before your accident, what happened in the aftermath, and then how you changed your viewpoint about this cannabis industry that we find ourselves in. Good. It's a fun story. Awesome. How did it all start? You got you got hurt. Well, yeah. Uh, going back to 2013, I had been with Bovida again for my second time around for about a year and change. Uh, it's a little known fact that I was one of Bovida's first salespeople 20 years ago when it started. Uh, worked there for a couple of years, left on great terms to go chase some uh, dreams that I had of racing, profess- racing rather, professional motorcycles. And um, about seven years ago, um, they came to mind because I was kind of in the middle of uh, doing nothing of consequence. And I decided I'd give the Bovida guys a call again, got in touch with them. And uh, they were kind enough to make room for me to come back on board. And then about a year and change after that, uh, as we already were really successful in cannabis, Um, I still looked at it as patients in quotation marks, caregivers in quotation marks, medicine in quotation marks. I'm thinking this is a barely legal substance and under the guise of these wacky medical laws, they're just lightly sanctioning legal use of a drug so people can get high. So I never really quite was convinced of the medical nature that cannabis could be until one day on my ride home from the office on my brand spanking new motorcycle on a lovely summer day, a careless driver decided to take a left turn into me on my motorcycle. And it crushed my leg between the car and the bike for a split second. And I had a compound segment and fracture, which means that whatever wasn't turned to dust was sticking out of my leg underneath my motorcycle boot. So um, that's not an ideal way to spend a, a summer afternoon laying on the sidewalk, writhing in pain, people gathered around, ambulances, fire trucks, ambulance showing up. And it turned out that the damage to my leg was so severe that the shorter road to recovery, the best quality of life and the best guarantee against future complications was to have my foot removed. So I went to sleep crying that night, knowing that the next day I'd have to make this decision on keep the foot, not keep the foot. And seven hours before this, my biggest decision is where will I take my then girlfriend uh, for dinner after I go mountain biking after I get home? So I um, went to sleep crying. I woke up in this mor- in the morning with this piece and this phrase going through my head over and over again saying, it's just a foot. It's just a foot. And I'm trying to have a conversation with this voice. I'm saying, yeah, yeah, but it's a foot. And it's going, no, 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 no. It's just a foot. So 
I decided uh, to uh, pursue amputation. And thankfully, there is a type of amputation that is for higher activity individuals. And there is a guy in the country that specializes in it. And he happens to be uh, based in Minnesota. So I got in touch with him and um, went forward with the amputation. So how I, long ago, how long was that after the accident? I had the amputation about 10 days after the accident because it happened right around the 4th of July holiday. So the doctor who I consulted to do the amputation was going on vacation. So we ended up having a party, like a five-day party in the, oh, I keep calling it a hotel room because I was there long <laughs> the enough. The hospital room, yeah. <laughs> the hospital room. Uh, and uh, it was a hotel room and it was the worst food ever. This was a party that was a going away party for your foot? That's right. Yes. Because we said after, set up a Facebook page and everything and said, if, after 36 years of faithful service, we're going to have to say goodbye, so it's your last chance to come on down, get your picture taken with the foot, um, and bid it farewell. So that's what it turned out to be. It was going to be a story of fun. It was not going to be a, a sad kind of thing. It was going to be a celebration Far of the out. foot's life, and uh, we're going to make it a good time. So I just about had anybody that I'd ever known come through that hospital room and get their picture taken with the foot and um, just, um, yeah, had a really good time with it. So the foot gets removed, and I then have a understanding about what phantom limb pain really is for somebody's life. And phantom limb pain, for anybody who doesn't know, is pain in a limb that doesn't exist. And as real as I sit here right now speaking on this microphone, my left shoe, my brain thinks it has a foot on, in it, and it thinks that it's being dipped in lava. That's how it feels almost all the time. So I have this burning sensation every moment of every day of my life, no matter what I'm doing. And it becomes a little bit of a distraction at night when you're trying to sleep. So I didn't want to go down the road that the doctors led me down, which was one oxycodone turns into two, turns into three, turns into me knocking over the local 7-Eleven to support a smack habit based on the way those things usually go. So they prescribed opiates for you coming out of the uh, surgery? Half a dozen of them. And, along with some, and, and there's an argument that it's about as major as it gets to have a limb removed. So you've got plenty of pain to justify having the opiates. Absolutely. There's real pain because your legs, of course, healing and atrophying from being sliced in half, cut, cut open and then sewn back up. So there was very real pain going on for a long time. But then that, once that subsided and I, and I have, get a prosthesis and I'm mountain biking again, I'm skiing, I'm golfing, I'm doing all these things, I just have this phantom limb pain. So the real pain was replaced by a pain that uh, in a limb that isn't there anymore. So that is something that I deal with daily. And the increasing amounts of oxycodone that I was taking only for sleeping began to not work for me. And I didn't want it. So I tried three one night, didn't work. Tried three the next So night. how long into the process did you start noticing this? I would say that it was probably about 12 weeks. So I was walking at about nine. Uh, there was phantom sensations, but the real phantom pain probably didn't kick in for about three months. And uh, so that, that third oxycodone one night doesn't work. The next night I figure, okay, now I'm tired enough. I didn't sleep last night. I'm in pain. I'll sleep tonight. Three. Didn't sleep. Okay, the next day I come to the office. And I mean, the lack of sleep will make you delirious. The sure. lack of sleep is horrible on the human body and the brain. So I think it was the fourth night of trying to take my third one and not wanting to take that fourth one 
that I did, I took that third one again. And so that fourth night I didn't sleep again because even the fatigue of not hardly sleeping for four days was not enough to be able to get me to sleep. Uh, so I, I think on that fifth day, I said, I can't do this anymore. This is dangerous uh, for my mental stability, which is casual relationship with it anyway. And uh, for my quality <laughs> of life, because I couldn't live the rest of my life getting 15 minute naps uh, at night. What so, does the doctor recommend? More of it. More. More. Oh, it didn't work. Take but more. you've consciously gotten to a place where you you see what's going on. Well, I know me and I know that I like getting really super deep into something. And if that also applied to opiates, that wasn't a road I wanted to go down. Mm. So I've, by virtue of being close enough to the cannabis world and also being a sentient human being that you cannot miss the reality of the opioid crisis in this country, I had to have the conversation with myself. Do you want to go down this road or do you want to explore another road? And I said, I'm going to explore another road because at the time in Minnesota, there wasn't a medical cannabis program. So even if there had been any doctors willing to talk about it, which there, there very, are very few here in Minnesota, there would have been nowhere for me to legally go. And so I had to get in touch with some people that I'd made friends with in the business because we were very successful in the cannabis world. And I said, listen... I am a cannabis skeptic. It goes against everything I've ever been taught and everything that I've ever believed on my own. But I'm desperate. I haven't slept in five days. I have constant pain. I need pain relief and sleep. Can you help? And that night, I became a believer because my cannabis experience followed a very simple five-step process. In high school, I'd have fun for five minutes, I'd get paranoid, eat everything in sight, and then throw up. I guess that's four steps, but that was the <laughs> that was my experience with cannabis. So how, when that is my frame of reference, could I ever believe that thing that made me paranoid and throw up, that is my answer, but that's how desperate I was. And so that night, I uh, put everything together, some flour and a grinder and... Uh, and a vaporizer. And so I ground it up. I put it in the vaporizer and took a puff, set it down, waited 10 minutes. Okay, I get it. All right, this isn't scary. I'm not afraid of this. I can feel something happening here. It's kind of nice. Take a puff, set it down, wait 10 minutes. Okay, oh, I get it. All right, yeah, this is... And it felt, Drew, like there were little shields going into my body and keeping the pain from getting from one spot to another it was magical and then by the third puff i set it down wow okay i'm tired now turn off the tv and that eight hours was the best eight hours i have ever gotten of sleep so thankfully so that was the night that i went from complete and total skeptic because i came from a conservative christian household and i'm still a conservative christian nra member gun carrier church uh, volunteer and now huge cannabis advocate. And what I'm learning is that all of those things can exist together. And uh, in some ways, it's allowed me to have very authentic conversations with people from each of those different worlds that wouldn't normally be disposed to supporting cannabis, but they're going, okay, you're a relatively normal guy and you have some of the same interests that I do that don't usually get associated with cannabis uh, and oftentimes not at the exact same time. 
And so it's been able, I've been able to change the minds of people who uh, had been against this in the past. When you also created some relationships along the way, one that does a lot of good for people with pain, uh, the relationship you have with Grow for Vets and with Roger from uh, Martin from Grow for Vets, that's a relationship that we've become attached to as a company. And that's largely because of your shared experience with what those guys go through. Do you get asked a lot when you're out in public if you served? Because people presume that because you're missing a limb or have a prosthesis that that you were uh, in the service? That's the number one question that I get. Yeah, I, they always ask, did you lose that in the war? Are you a veteran? And I, uh, I used to have a funny remark to it, but it for one split second made it sound like I could be a soldier and I never wanted to take any of that valor away from the people who really did. So I used to say that I lost it in battle with a motorcycle and for saying lost it in battle for that split second, somebody may have thought that I was a veteran uh, and I didn't want that. So no, I just tell, now I just tell them that uh, it was motorcycle related. How about stupid things that people say when they, because I know when I first uh, talked to you about losing your leg, I mean, it's inconceivable for me. I mean, and you could probably not have even imagined the process that you've gone through. I can't, I mean, it's just, I can't relate to it. You so, got to explain uh, or tell the viewers your uh, license plate. Ah, uh, well, the first license plate that I got, uh, I, I always like personalized license plates. I've got a wall in, uh, in a room in my house that's got everyone that's been on a car. And so the first one that I got after losing my foot uh, was just a foot, uh, J-U-S, no, it was, yeah, it was J-U-S-T-A-F-T, so just a foot. Uh, and so once I got a different car, it needed a different license plate. And so now it says IHOP. And I looked at it and I'm thinking, International House of Pancakes. Why, <laughs> why would a guy put that on his license plate? And then it's because you hop. Hop, yes. Yeah, I hop I'm my pretty sharp butt that to way. the bathroom. But you asked the question about what life is like. And wintertime is the hardest time for me. And it's not because of cold or anything like that. It's that wearing pants covers my prosthesis. So when I park in handicapped parking, which I always do, I get a lot of crap for it. Even when I'm wearing shorts and people could very well see my leg, I still get crap. And now I get it a lot more in the wintertime because I've got jeans on. Yeah. So uh, over the course of the time you've been with Bovida, you had an opinion about cannabis. Your mind was changed, obviously, out of necessity for the pain that you were going through. You've seen a lot of stories uh, in the process of going to all these trade shows and being involved in the medical community. Um, where where do you think this is going and, and uh, how long are we going to wait before? I mean, we've got some pretty low-key uh, laws in Minnesota that don't have easy access to cannabis, uh, even on a medical level. So what do you, where do you think it is and where do you think it's going? Well, the cannabis, uh, program here in Minnesota, uh, is very, very restrictive. Uh, it started out with only eight qualifying conditions and pain was not one of them. All of the delivery methods are non-flower. So it's pills, oils, or tinctures. Uh, uh, and so, they did their best to make it expensive, difficult to find a doctor, and um, uh, also difficult to access. So if and when it fails here in Minnesota, unfortunately it's gonna be blamed on cannabis not being an effective medicine uh, when the way that they wrote the laws uh, here is had, had doomed it from the beginning. So where do I think it's going? I think that at some point, someday, uh, the American public will have it admitted to them that 
the cannabis is bad, cannabis is horrible, cannabis fries your brain, cannabis is dangerous, will be revealed as one of the biggest lies perpetrated on the American public. And it'll be unfortunate because hundreds of thousands of people have died over this stupid lie that what we prescribe you um, is more safe, even though it'll kill you, than this flower is that has never killed anyone. And so I think that obviously the pressure is very high for the government to be talking now about the opioid crisis, but the thing that they're leaving out is one of the main solutions. I mean, we all know, uh, anybody who pays a little bit of attention to the cannabis world knows that states that have medical cannabis programs have, a tw have lowered uh, the number of overdoses by 25%. Well, that's a big darn deal when we're talking about the volumes of people that are being hurt by the pharmaceutical industry. So, that's part of what I was taken in by years ago when I had a skepticism about cannabis because it's only a certain type of person. They look a certain way, they vote a certain way, they have certain activities. And that was my impression of what a cannabis user uh, or patient looked like. Well, that's not the case uh, now that I've seen it from the other side. And so I think that someday we're going to shake our heads and go, man, how many hundreds of lives could have been saved? How many, how, the, how many millions of lives could have had a better quality if we would have allowed them access to something that's completely safe? That's awesome. So just to get really specific, because everybody always wonders what, what you prefer personally and how you've experimented with different uh, types of uh, ingestion or types of application of, of cannabis, uh, can you talk about strains or sativas, indicas, what it is that gives you the relief that you appreciate from, from the plant? Yeah, when it was flower, um, the medicine man out of Colorado has purple urkel that was magical, still is magical, but uh, it's a bit dangerous to travel from Colorado to Minnesota with an ounce of flour in your dop kit, which happened a couple times. Um, it was more than the uh, statute of limitations, though, whatever that is. And so now, <laughs> so now um, I still use some oils that are more of indica dominant, uh, but a little bit higher in CBD because once again, I'm the world's lamest cannabis user because I still to this day have not had fun. I've, st I've still not. You're not doing tried it to it. get high. Yeah, and I've never done it during the day because I'm afraid, will I get paranoid? Will I get tired? Uh, so I put up with a pain during the day. I try to stay distracted. And then it's at night that I have, have something to use. Um, and I forget the strain name of what I'm using now. So I guess I won't be much help there. But that is also something that I got uh, at Medicine Man in Denver. So you've tried the flour. You've, tried, you, you've uh, vaporized the oil. Um, have you done edibles? Uh, I, I have done edibles one time and it happened to be on a flight and I probably won't do that again, uh, because I lost my mind. I mean, I was fine, but I felt like a total knucklehead. Um, but I got great relief for a number of hours. It's just that I didn't quite have my wits about me. Like I liked it. You got relief like to, to symptoms you didn't know you had. That's right. <laughs> and I know suppositories are one of the options too, but I have a voluntary allergy to suppositories. So I'm not going down that road. No. No, so um, a number of us at Boveda feel strongly about the opioid epidemic, and um, we were talking earlier, even the word opioid sounds so sterile and so distant from just how central it is to the society these days, the number of people, people that are suffering, um, the number of people that uh, wind up dead because of overdose. Um, 
It's a really big deal. So I, I have a tremendous appreciation for where you're coming from, what your uh, uh, attitude was before you had your uh, issue with your leg, and, and the fact that cannabis works. And who am I to deprive you of the right to have access to that solution when the alternative is for you to be hooked on something that's potentially going to kill you? So, Can you explain how his story kind of influenced your coming yeah to i mean it, it was an, it was an odd uh it was a, sort of an odd uh u-turn that we had a couple of conversations where they just were all over the place um i got introduced to boveda at uh cigar jones and the headquarters of boveda was downstairs from cigar jones i went down and met the owners and i, I they suggested that i meet you and we had a chat and um i really connected with you personally and for me, um, it was an opportunity because I've got a history with uh, cannabis consumption as a young man. Um, it was a part of my party signature. Um, and when I stopped drinking and doing other mood-altering substances, cannabis was one of them so that I, that I didn't participate in anymore. So it was awkward for me because I had this opinion, uh, a relatively blinded attitude about it, until I heard your story. And it really caused me to rethink my approach uh, as we started doing things together. Uh, you got me involved in, in promoting some of the Boveda events and uh, reaching out to some of the people in the cannabis community. And I never imagined I'd be doing that. I mean, what's a former uh, party uh, enthusiast doing uh, out there calling on the cannabis market? But it's been really uh, edifying to be out there and to meet the people that are truly getting served by this, the, the opportunity to address things naturally. And um, I can't thank you enough for that opportunity. So you're the, you're the reason I'm here to some degree. Well, I guess that's another reason then that uh, another good reason that I lost my foot because it was the second best day of my life. And, um, and that is another reason why. Uh, Boveda makes a big deal out of Halloween. And uh, this year you went uh, all out and... Uh, I don't know how you possibly came up with the idea. It was just so creative, Charlie. What what were you what were you for for Halloween? Oh, it was begging begging to be done, and it, I fulfilled really the lifelong destiny of uh, the perfect costume. Uh, so, what do you think of when you think of uh, an amputee? You think of peg leg, and when you think of peg leg, what do you think of? You think pirate, right? And so I had to be a pirate this year, finally. I've never really been a big Halloween guy. I, I totally was the party pooper last year in the Boveda office. I was the only one that didn't dress up. Even the people that I thought for sure wouldn't did. They were the best costume. So I really had to kind of make up for it this year. And so I dressed up as a pirate. I went out to the uh, uh, theatrical costume supply company here, and <laughs> I rented this very um, authentic and exquisite pirate's costume. I talked to my prosthetist who made me a peg that I detached my regular carbon fiber foot and put this peg on it. I, and it had a rubber stopper at the bottom. I wrapped it in duct tape, wood duct tape, so it looked like wood. The costume had a, uh, had a parrot, a stuffed parrot on it. And I brought a treasure chest full of doubloons. That was fabulous. I mean, you, <laughs> went, you, you absolutely went all out. And I, I have a feeling we'll probably find an image that we can fly into this and yeah, uh, show that. It was, quite, a, it was quite an outfit. 
You won well, first you. place. I did win first. I tied for first place, oh. which is just exactly the same as a win because I was standing on the top, top step of the podium. You were with your national anthem playing. It was fabulous. <laughs> yeah. We're very competitive about our costumes here at Bovida. Uh, Charlie, thanks for your story. And uh, let's jump into hashtag ask Bovida. We've got a question from at Cecil Gaines. Um, either one of you can answer this. I don't seem to get as much keef since I started using Bovida. Should I switch to the 58% instead of the 62%? Oh, Cecil Gaines. Yes. What's Keefe? Your Keefe exists because your flowers uh, was dry enough where the trichomes broke off. And that's usually going to happen around the 50 area, 50% humidity area. So when your flower gets too dry, those trichomes break off. And yes, they become really, really handy and other stuff. But for the remaining flower, it reduces their therapeutic value. So you aren't getting as much keef when you're using Bovida because those trichomes are staying on there. And so you can get better use out of your flower. Now, you may like Keef and the things that you can use it for. That's great if you want that to happen. You're just probably going to be the 58, but it's, that's still going to be sticky enough where they're going to stay on there. So you'll probably actually need to torture the flower and leave it out dry with no, uh, no bovida in it at all to get it dry enough for the trichomes to break off. Or, um, you know, use a machine to, to kind of physically rip those poor little trichomes off while they're screaming in pain. Can you imagine what a tri- trichome sounds like when it gets yanked off? It's probably a really high pitch. I've scream. never, I've never uh, considered what a trichome sounds like when it's being ripped off. That's fantastic, though. I'm <laughs> and and I've never that. done cannabis during the day. That's nice. the shocking thing. Outstanding. Not even today. <laughs> Not even today. Yeah. It's yeah. been at least 12 hours, 14 hours. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right. Well, I think that's it. This has been an up, another episode of Cultivate from Bovida. Scott, what should people do if they have questions? If you guys have any questions about this podcast, previous ones, or just any questions in general, tweet us, Instagram, Facebook, hashtag AskBovida. You can find us at Bovida Cannabis on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. Welcome to another episode of Cultivate. This is a show about you and your journey in the cannabis industry. It's moving fast, but there's room for everyone. Buckle up as we bring you the people and the technology that are blazing the trail. (laughs) Okay. That was good. Oh, man. Uh, that couldn't have gotten any better. Wow. All right, now back to a really serious podcast about joints. That's Scott Swale. Hello, everyone. And I'm Drew Emmer, the co-host of this wonderful podcast. Uh, last week on Friday, Scotty sat down with a guy who's turning out to be an industry leader in the pre-roll world. Tell us about that interview, Scott. Yeah, so we had the pleasure of interviewing Ben Follick of Buena Vista Premium Rolls. Um, they are one of the first 
pre-roll companies to include Bovida in every one of their packages. They've got the Bovida logo on the back. Um, so in this interview, we'll dive into kind of where um, pre-rolls fit into the cannabis market, um, where it's going, and just get some really good insight to um, pre-rolls as a whole. Is Buena Vista the outfit that won the award from Green State? They did. They won pre-roll of the year, I believe it was, um, from Green Street, Green State. Yep, it's a section in the San Francisco Chronicle that uh, covers yes. the cannabis industry in California. Yeah. Okay, so before we jump into this interview, we wanted to do something a little bit fun to spice things up. So we are going to call our own Bovida customer service line and do a little prank phone call on whoever answers. It's either going to be Rebecca or Rob. I haven't done a prank phone call since Beth Waberly when I was in fourth grade. I called and I was so terrified that I didn't know what to say. So I, I switched from a romantic kind of call to a okay. prank phone call. Kind of creepy. Did, I started creepy at a very young age. Did How'd that work out? Uh, no. No, no didn't, didn't happen. You didn't, you didn't get the kiss in the locker room? No. No, no, never. <laughs> no. Thank you for that, though. All right. Thank you for calling Bovida, the global leader in two-way humidity control. If you know your party's extension, you can dial it at any time. Please be aware that calls may be monitored. You're going to have to hit the keypad. If you're calling with questions about Bovida for your business, press 1. Nope, nope, if nope. You're calling with questions about Bovida for personal use, press 2. For the accounting department, press 3. Number 2. Okay, here we go. Hello, Rebecca. How are you today? I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. I'm having a terrible, terrible time with wicked, wicked dryness in my cannabis flower, and I was told that you chaps and gals over there at Boveda would be able to help me out. Is that true? Um, we do make a product especially for cannabis that will rehumidify it, yes. I have an enormous bag of bud. Um, there's about 11 pounds in the in the tote right now, and I'm not sure. certain how, if it's, it could be bloody gone by now. No, you, you could still rehumidify it. So what you'd want to do is order a couple 320-gram packs. I would say probably um, three 320-gram packs, and then put that in there in an, as airtight of a container as you can. How much would those cost me? Do you know what that is in British pounds? I don't know the conversion rate for British pounds right now. Rebecca, can I ask you a personal question? Mm-hmm. Do you have dark hair? I do, yes. Rebecca, it's Drew. <laughs> <laughs> Have I love Rebecca. <laughs> Rebecca is like the greatest customer service person in the world, and she takes it marvelously seriously, <laughs> and she's a pro, and she just did great. Okay, oh. so uh, Buena Vista with Scott on the yes. phone. Uh, Here we go. Back to serious. Scott and Ben. All right. How's it going, guys? We got Ben here with Buena Vista Premium 
roles. Ben, you want to just introduce yourself and Buena Vista as a whole? Absolutely. So good to be here. Hi, guys. My name is Ben, and I am in San Francisco today. And I'm with Buena Vista Pre-Roll. And we started about a year ago uh, with the goal of being the first and really only freshly packed uh, branded pre-roll on the shelf for folks to be able to um, find in dispensaries throughout California and then ultimately, hopefully, in uh, cannabis points of sale throughout the country. Um, And what we have really been working towards with our product, this is our little box, and it's really important to us that we have Boveda as a part of our solution, as, as a part of the brand promise too. Um, really because a lot of folks in the industry are already familiar with, uh, with Boveda and have been using Boveda packs um, for some time just to keep their own product fresh. Um, and it's also a great uh, introduction to people that haven't yet uh, really understood the humidity conversation around uh, consuming cannabis and um, particularly as a chance of fresh, fresh flowers. And so we are, yeah, we're, we're, we're here in California uh, trying to pave the way for fresh freshness, um, ultimately in, in cannabis. And we could not do that without, without you guys. So again, we've put Boveda on the outside of our box. We're very, very proud. And um, it's the type of thing where people now recognize us for having the Boveda in, in the box, which is, which is really cool. Yeah, I got to give you guys props for, one, the branding. I love it. It's awesome. People come up to us at trade shows and uh, compliment the branding of it, um, and we just hear how it is it is the best pre-roll on the market because of how fresh it is. Um, can you explain kind of what, what typically pre-rolls are like um, and what makes Buena Vista so different? Um, obviously, you have Bovida in there, so that, that's a, a factor, but... Um, I think there's just a negative um, kind of perception of pre-rolls in general sure. just because of the quality of them. So if you want to touch on that, that'd be awesome. Absolutely. And and being being a patient myself in the, the cannabis, um, I'd say the medical market the last 10 years, I became pretty familiar with the freebie pre-roll where more often than not, a dispensary will say, hey, your first time in, or maybe you just bought an eight. And we want to give you a value added sort of like a, you know, a gift, a parting gift. And very, very often it would be a pre-roll. And more often than not, those pre-rolls would be dry. And they, if you started smoking one, it would taste kind of like some cannabis, maybe kind of like chlorophyll and like grass. Yeah. And you might cough a little. Um, and in fact, there even are dispensaries where, you know, right out in the open, they're sort of just rolling these things up and, and putting them in a big ass jar, essentially saying, yeah. this is going to go out to all of these folks today. And you're watching the, uh, you, you can, you can witness the process. You're sort of privy to the quality that they're starting with. Um, and that, that, that's sort of like the lowest rung, I think, um, in terms of expectations for pre-rolls in the past, probably, probably two, three years, we've started to see more branded, sort of value added pre-roll offerings. And what what I've noticed is that while often they are starting out with better flour than say these dispensaries that are giving away freebies, 
they were not packaging their product in such a way where from the point of production all the way down the supply chain to when a customer or patient is going to purchase a product, um, because of the packaging that this pre-roll box is in or the pre-roll is in, it loses quality. So again, yeah. you might have started off with something really great, really good tasting cannabis, but ultimately you weren't able to uh, kind of uh, translate that as an experience to the, the consumer. Uh, and the, well, it, the fan- it dries out so fast. I mean, by the time it's it goes into the production, by the time to the point of when the patient or consumer buys it, it's already dried out. Exactly. And and if it smells like weed in your car, that means that terpenes are leaving the product and coming into exactly. your car. And so, you know, I think uh, anybody that's had an experience with cannabis where they've said, wow, I really want to hide this smell. This is so strong. This is so potent. Um, that is, again, what we're talking about is terpenes, uh, the volatile cannabinoids that are that make up a part of the cannabis experience um, are basically going out into the environment. So if you have any differential in heat and in humidity uh, in your environment, say you're in the car and you're driving and you've got you know, 50 loads of these pre-rolls that you got to drop off to different dispensaries or something like that as a d- delivery service or wh- however it's going to work. Uh, again, that that stability, that shelf stability isn't just about at the point of sale, but it's every point of the supply chain. And yeah. to be able to um, be successful in a growing, changing space like cannabis in California right now, um, it's really important to have that uh, assurance in what you do. And so if you're going to work with say, a distributorship and they're really relying on you guys to provide a consistent product because then they're taking it to dispensaries and for selling it on your behalf, however the arrangement, if there isn't real integrity in the product, um, then it's not going to last. And so we, yeah. we are, uh, I come from the packaged foods world. Um, I was, had the great fortune of starting a little tiny food truck. Uh, that then we were able to take product and sell it to grocery stores and eventually to Whole Foods. And to get mm-hmm. to get there was a lot of failure, a lot of learning, and a lot of learning about yeah. packaging, really. Um, exactly. And you Well, know, and that's what's cool is you guys bring a consistent, high-quality product every time. So every time that consumer or patient comes in to buy your product, it's the same quality, the same high quality every time. And they're not wondering when they walk in the door or when they leave the door um, if it's going to be good or is it going to suck. Right. So that's right. a huge benefit to to all of your patients. Absolutely. Which is awesome. Absolutely. Which is awesome. We we now go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no I, go I ahead. I was just going to say what's what's honestly most important to us. Obviously, we're a business trying to stay afloat in the changing time, but. To me, as a, I think of myself as a consumer advocate more than mm-hmm. a product builder or brand builder. Um, if this isn't something that makes people delighted and happy and feel as though it's consistent and something that they could buy again, then it's wor- It's not worth much to me. Um, yep. And I think the relationships that we're trying to build, really, this sounds sort of abstract, but with that end user um, – is everything to us. And so, you know, the, the shelf stability and the freshness is, is very important. But as you said, 
when they leave, we want them to have the insurance that, okay, this is consistent. This is, uh, it's been tested for any sort of toxins and mold, um, obviously a prerequisite um, in the game here. But more than that, that this experience that they may have had once before with us is going to be right there for them again. You're not yeah. getting a bad batch. It just doesn't work like that. Which is awesome. Now, obviously, pre-rolls have become so popular just because of the convenience. Um, and we're seeing that more and more in the cannabis industry. People are um, really go- going towards the convenience um, whether it be a pen or pre-rolls, whatever it might be. Sure. Where do you see the pre-roll um, market in the next year, five years, 10 years? What does that look like? Great question. Um, I think that right now, if you were to look at the sort of value-added branded pre-roll market, at least in California, which is where I'm more uh, familiar um, as opposed to in other, other markets, you, you see a lot of I'd say still like profit driven products really sort of grabbing from the bottom of the cannabis barrel, may turning yeah. it into a joint, putting it in a little tin and then selling that at a really competitive price. And I think that sort of commodified experience of like a low end pre-roll is going to be around because there's always going to be cannabis material, cannabis flower uh, that isn't, as fresh or isn't sold in the manner that it was expected. Um, and so yeah. there, and, and obviously we're talking about the world of concentrates. Now, if you have Jim up the road with a licensed, you know, uh, manufacturing facility, you can extract that and turn it into vape pens or, or what have you. And I think that's, that's also, that will hopefully take pressure off of, uh, sort of making bad pre-rolls cause you don't know what else to do with the material. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think that as we go into 2018 and then into 2019, what we're what we're hopefully going to see is simply more sophistication in the offerings. Um, you're still seeing a lot of blends. So they're saying this is a sativa blend, this is a hybrid blend. While I think that is um, for sort of an unsuspecting end user who might might not need you know Blue Dream or Durban Poison or OG Kush. Um, that might work for them for the time being, but there isn't a lot of accountability also because yeah. if, uh, say, that batch has then been tested and the test results are on the back of the product, that's great. But it's really not specific to the varietal and it's not specific to the grower even. What you're talking about is a combinatory sort of taking uh, you know, the dregs of a lot of products and then creating something else. And yeah. Again, it's talking about integrity and having there be uh, sort of a farm farmer cultivator to uh, user connection, which we're trying to engender with our product. Um, that sort of blend concept is, is, is it just takes a little bit away from that sort of handshake. And we we're seeing a lot of other branded pre rolls that, quite frankly, it looks beautiful. Uh, the packaging was designed nicely. Um, and perhaps even the starting flower, the material inside is really good. But again, they're using dupe tubes or they're using yeah. a little plastic bag and then a box. And without that hermetic seal, uh, you're not going to be able to lock in those terps. And you're not going to be able to um, ensure that the bag, when you open it, will really smell like Durban poison. 
you know that that's yeah. it's a um, it's an amazing thing when in say a demo we're able to just have this sort of uh, experience of showing people how this works. This is our little system inside. We have a Mylar foil pouch opening it now for the first time. And I really wish that I could just show you guys what this smelled like. But yeah. this is this is Durban Poison. And as you'll see, we have our, our pre-rolls. We put five into every, every pouch here. And most importantly, our Boveda. There you go. This is going inside each Mylar foil pouch. And again, ultimately, it's, it's just really about the integrity of what's stuck inside this little sausage here. I think a lot yeah. of a lot of different folks are uh, trying to sell these th as fast as they can because they see this again as a convenience-based product. Um, I see it as a relationship that we need to build with everybody in this industry for the long term, where they say, "Okay, you know what? That's always fresh. It's all that brand is yeah. always fresh," and and we're yeah. learning um, that folks are also loving the idea that they can reuse this then with their flower at home if they've got a, a you know. Uh, and a gram that they bought from the club and they don't want to smoke it all in one place. Um, yeah. So that's, that's, that's been in, in terms of moving towards uh, moving into the, into the future. Again, I, I think that there will be a lot of other brands um, doing a similar system, which will keep, hopefully keep the product fresh. I don't see that. And us at one of us said, we don't actually see that as a threat. Um, we see that as something that lifts our brand because not to say that we were the first or the only, there are a couple other brands even working with Boveda, you guys, but, um, the, you really were the first though. I mean, you, you were the first to fully dive in head first and, and do it the right way. So it's awesome. He said it right here, it's ladies awesome. and gentlemen. I mean, that, there it is. No, it's, uh, we, seriously, we, we saw this as, not something we needed to do because no one else is doing it, but as the right thing to do, if that, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Uh, exactly. Yeah. You're looking out for your, your patients. And that's says a lot about Buena Vista as a whole. And that's what I've enjoyed working with you guys. And, um, people clearly love your product because we get it every trade show. Um, so that's awesome. Now, do you guys have any new products coming out? Anything that you released? Um, for 2018 or anything you want to share definitely you guys are going to be doing coming up definitely i'm just going to grab a couple of these little little boxes i have over here show you guys one of the things we're really excited about this is a black box and our generally as i showed earlier it's our purple box that i opened up for you mm -hmm. guys and the difference here is this little band and it's black and gold which for the average consumer that in a, in a way, a lot of times signifies infusion, the gold mm -hmm. infusion. And it was actually a mistake from the printing press to send a black box out, but we said, damn, that looks really good. So we decided <laughs> to put, again, same thing, Mylar foil pack, five pre-rolls inside, but in this case, we've got really nice crumble in the tip. It's a really, really high-grade golden crumble for folks that want more medicine. And That's awesome. Ultimately, it's about... Um, shelf, shelf space and uh, velocity of sales and cost, you know, profit per square foot for these retailers. And what, yeah. I, what I really wanted was to have our pre-rolls be able to live in another case or another section in the store. So 
this is now uh, not where all the pre-rolls are, but with where the concentrated products are, which is that's awesome. Which is cool, um, and we haven't seen um, it's a newer product, and we haven't we haven't fully fully fleshed it out to all of the dispensaries, and it's not as desired yet as the purple box has. Um, we are just really fighting to keep growing our production so that we can keep up with the demand for the purple box. Um, two packs as well will be coming out and we have these for the purple box as well. But really what we're trying to do is just ultimately spread the, uh, this offering and that sort of the brand and the brand promise with freshness, um, to other user bases that maybe don't want five joints, but want two. And when they open it, they see, they, they kind of open this, that's awesome seal there strain stickers on the back everything uh to a t so that the end user really gets granular information about what they're putting into their body um awesome and and then last but not least we are also going to be rolling out a branded flower so this is just if you want to go buy an eight at the dispensary you're going to see more and more branded eights um very cool. This, there's going to be a child-proof jar, a child-resistant jar in here, which will be sealed. And, of course, will feature the Boveda pouch awesome. inside as well. So that's this is our next uh, next two products, really, that we're excited about and we'll be rolling out. And I'm sure that in the coming year, um, as people continue to uh, change their consumption behaviors and sort of vote with their dollars, in a sense, will stay um, re- responsive to the market, you know, and, and if that yeah. means bringing on new products and we'll always consider it. Uh, very luckily, we are still a pretty small company run by a tight team. And so we can make fast decisions. Um, and I think that mostly what we've, what we're trying to do is continue um, building this uh, branded, really good, fresh pre-roll program that has become successful for us. Awesome. Well, congratulations. You guys have done done really well. It's been exciting working with you, and we look forward to 2018 and crushing it. So now if people want to find you guys uh, online or on social media, where can they do that? Absolutely. Um, online, we're BuenaVistaPreroll.com, all one word. And then on Instagram or Facebook, you can find us at BuenaVista.Preroll. Awesome. We love to be active on social media. We found that it's um, not just a way for uh, customers and end users to sort of verify us and check us out, but a lot of other people in this industry as well. Um, we've made a lot of great connections with partners um, that we now work with in some, some sort of capacity in the cannabis industry, really through Instagram. So um, it's, it's, a, it's a place for us to tell our story and to be a little bit fun. Um, and for people to reach us in a way that's not really sales driven. I think that there's a lot yeah. of, uh, especially in, in the, in the industry itself, um, there tends to be a lot of selling to one another and, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in dispensaries, they're just really tired of hearing about new products and having reps yeah. come in and it's just, yeah. it's an unending cycle. So to be able to say reach out more passively in that sense and to build the sort of equity for authentic the community something authentic you know yeah. um, we for example uh, we donate to a group called operation evac which is run by a really awesome uh, marine corps veteran um, this guy is a cannabis patient and found that 
a lot of folks in the Bay Area did not have access to the medicine that they felt they needed um, mm-hmm. and perhaps had been done sort of wrong by the, the VA, yeah. had been strung out on opioids or pain painkillers for their anxiety, which almost doesn't yeah. make, just doesn't make sense. So we, no. we've been, we've been lucky enough. We've been donating um, some of our pre-roll product to this group and they have a meeting uh, in a dispensary once a week and have somewhat of a sort of a um, group therapy session and do some meditation and they all share wisdom. It's really, really fascinating. And so I was able to, able to go in and, uh, just shoot a quick video sort of taking in that scene, um, and put it up on our, on our, on our social media, on Instagram. And that's something that people are able to, you know, experience through, uh, these different mediums and recognize that brands like us, uh, and there are many others too, we're not just driven by profit. We can't actually exist in this space without doing good. Um, we won't yeah. have the support of, of people who, who matter. And um, ultimately, it's really uh, being in a position to give back in some way is, I think, very uh, – it's indicative of the fact that we've done well enough up, to, up until this year to donate, to make donations. Um but also to the fact that it's a, it's a good enough product, it's safe enough, consistent enough product that I feel comfortable giving it to, you know, a 75 year old, um, you know, cannabis consumer or somebody who yeah. is skeptical about, you know, the, the the validity of the health statements or something like that. I, we mm-hmm. can we can stand behind that and feel good about it. Um, That's so, awesome. Yeah, on, on social media and, and, and on, on Instagram in particular, it's, it's something that we were prideful of um, just to be able to to tell a story. Great. Awesome. Well, Ben, I appreciate it. Uh, we all love Buena Vista here at Bovida. I know a lot of other people do, so it's been a pleasure speaking and uh, we'll see you soon. Sounds great. Thank you guys so much. We really, really appreciate it. And as always, we could not do it without you guys. So seriously, thank you. Thank you. It was really good talking yep. to you. You guys have a great day. Scotty, what a great interview. I know. Ben is awesome. We love Buena Vista. They're doing big things, um, and we're super happy to be partnered with them. So They're, they're setting a standard in pre-rolls. They really and, are. And uh, the quality is outstanding, so much so that they won that award from Green State, from yep. San Francisco Chronicle. Awesome interview. Thanks for doing that. Yep. Um, recent events, current events, uh, we're going to Vancouver. Yes. For the Lyft Expo. The Lyft Expo. You look like a Canadian today. Yeah, I was. That's not the first time I heard that. I didn't realize it. Eh? We are in Minnesota, so we are pretty much Canadian. But yeah, you know, I'm it, preparing for this weekend. It's very attractive. You look good. And uh, I just got back from California. Spent the last couple of weeks in Northern California. Uh, things are crazy in California. The business is booming. Uh, recreational is real in California as of the first of the year. Pretty exciting. Uh, spent some what time, was that like? I spent some time at Mercy Wellness in Cotati, yep. just south of uh, Santa Rosa. And those guys, uh, Kyle and Armando, uh, they're just killing it. I got, got there when they opened. They had a line outside, uh, incredibly busy in the shop. Uh, that's a gorgeous store if you've ever uh, not visited a place like Mercy Wellness in uh, Cotati. I'd recommend that you go see it. They know what they're doing. They're doing a beautiful job. They've got like over 100 strains, don't they? Yep. And so. it's a superb, uh, you feel like you're in an Apple iPhone store yeah. buying cannabis. It's pretty cool. 
So yeah, California's on fire with the, no, they're not on fire anymore, uh, which is <laughs> good. Soon. I was using a figure of speech, but they're, the business is just going crazy. And a lot of people are going out of their way to uh, make derogatory comments about the cannabis business in general. I want to encourage everybody that is pro-cannabis, uh, even if, like me, you don't use cannabis, um, if you're in favor of the freedom, if you're in favor of all the good that can come to people from using this natural plant to take care of themselves and to address their personal issues, you got to speak up and uh, people got to come together and be in solidarity to support the legalization of this natural plant for all the good that it can do for society. So. Uh, that's how I feel. That's how a lot of us here at Bovida feel about the cannabis business. And uh, we hope you'll get on board, too, and uh, make your voice heard. Call yeah. your congressman. Call your senator. So before we wrap this up, we like to do a little section called Ask Bovida. Um, so we're going to jump into that first question um, that Luke sent over here, and it is the green seed on Instagram. If there is a trace of mold in the floured product, can the added moisture increase the mold? Of course. Yeah, if, you ha if mold is growing, it's going to seize on any uh, water activity that it can in order to survive <clears throat> and grow. So that's just the way mold is. So hopefully you don't have mold. Um, most people don't, but it does crop up from time to time. Generally speaking, uh, Bovida humidity control products are great for cannabis flower because it keeps it below the mold threshold, and which doesn't encourage mold growth. Um, we get great testimonials from people about how well our product takes care of their bud. But if you've already got mold, it's too late. Party over. Yep, mold's a scary little monster that attacks things. It's not a monster, but it's... It's like, kind of a monster. I, I like the characterization. You've listened and watched another episode of Cultivate from Bovida. That's Scott Swell. And if you have other questions, feel free to reach out to us on social media, at Bovida Cannabis on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or Bovida Cannabis on YouTube, or at bovidainc.com. Feel free to ask anything. Um, we will either answer it on this podcast or in a direct message back to you. Thanks for listening. Thanks a lot. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network. Cannabis Lifestyle Radio.